Hello, and welcome to the Embrace Your Destiny podcast. My name is Sandra Dawes, and I'm your host. And if you're unfamiliar with the podcast, the Embrace Your Destiny podcast is all about interviewing women who have a story to share about their journey through a challenging time in their life and how they overcame it, um, along with sharing advice that they'd give you and the biggest lessons that they learned throughout that experience. And today we're speaking with Catherine Pomerantz, and Catherine is an actress turned accountant and has capitalized on her her artistic background to create a signature tax service for non-traditional entrepreneurs. Her financial expertise has been featured by Discovery Card, BuzzFeed, and by self-made millionaire Caitlin Pyle on her Work at Home Heroes podcast. Catherine's unique perspective on money allowed her to open her own accounting firm in less than a year with no previous financial experience. Now her virtual firm has global reach as she's helped everyone from expats to international startups create profitable business empires of their own. Catherine has become a champion for creative talents in the internet age and relishes debating ethical entrepreneurship over milkshakes and fries. And um, later on, we'll, the show notes will have Catherine's website and different links to connect with her so you can learn more about her and what she does. So welcome, Catherine. Thank you. I am very glad to be here. I'm so excited to have you. And so, Catherine, why don't you share with us your journey? Yeah, well, you've obviously read out a little bit of my professional journey, my, my very professional firm sounding bio where I was like, ooh, she's <laughs> such an expert. Um, but it was a really emotional journey, too. So I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to talk about it today because I've kind of come to describe it as the the trauma of self-identity. It's uh, my story is going to be a lot different than a lot of other hosts or excuse me, a lot of other guests that you've had where, you know, they've, they've experienced some great personal loss or they, they've gone through a health crisis. And I don't, I don't have that experience, you know, hopefully won't, you know, knock on wood. I mean, <laughs> you know, we all go through different types of trauma, but that doesn't mean that the things that I went through were any less traumatizing. And I think that it's very interesting to talk about because I think that my story is going to reflect, especially a lot of young people's journey, especially as we move into a world that is increasingly hard to figure out what you want to do and how you want your career to go. And there's all these new options, but everything is changing so fast. So before we, you know, before I hop on my soapbox and we get into all of that, <laughs> I suppose I should uh, back up and start at the beginning where I was an actress. I was an artist. And I was a freelancer, so I was self-employed, but didn't know it. And that I think is something a lot of artists can relate to. Nobody teaches you what that's like. No one explains how you're going to be running a business when you graduate. And so you learn a lot about art and learn a lot about creativity and about humanity and empathy. But then you're kind of just thrown out into the real world where you also were, you know, you kind of need to know about finances and accounting and all this stuff. And I got into that world then and saw all of my friends struggling with money. And I was like, well, I mean, that's to be expected, right? Everyone struggles with money. I mean, that's the starving artist thing. So we're going to especially struggle with money. Right, <laughs> right. right. If you're going to do it, do it right, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like we're, we wear that, we literally wear how impoverished we are, like on as a badge of honor. It's like, well, I'm a real artist. I'm not in it for the money. I am, I'm really suffering over here. Yeah. And it, I'm it, it crafting her every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but 
the thing about suffering is it's actually not very fun. And I, I really hate how people glamorize it. Um, now at the time I was definitely an artist with a capital A and I was so like, mm, pretentious art and all these things. And all my friends were in, so we were having a grand old time. Right. Sipping the Kool-Aid. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> Sipping the Kool-Aid. Uh, but that didn't actually solve a lot of the, you know, the personal stress of what that's like when you just, you know, being an adult, you know, we call it adulting, right? Uh, that's the new catchphrase. It's like, oh, you know, I learned to adult today. And it's like, yes, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's sort of a funny situation where you get, you grow up and then all of a sudden it's like, yeah, there's bills and there's money and all these things. And it becomes so all encompassing and so stressful and so important. And yet you, and then we're taught money's evil and, oh, well, you're not in it for the money. And, you know, you know, don't, don't, don't work to live, you know, like sort of things like that. And so I was in this situation and I was seeing all my friends struggle and I was struggling and I was like, okay, I don't like this. And so I'm like, okay, I still love art, but I'm going to try and do it differently. Cause I didn't want to, I was sort of faced with the idea where if I was going to advance further in my career, I was going to need to travel a lot. And it, the, you know, there's shows that go on tour. I was specifically focused in theater and then you travel to different sets and I really wanted to direct and choreograph. And it kind of came about that I had made a bunch of smart financial decisions in college that were horrible for my career. Mm. Because if you're going to go into theater, especially everyone wants you to have a master's and everyone is going to be looking for internship experience. But the thing about nonprofit work, which is what most theater is, is that all the internships are unpaid. And so I had looked at internships and decided, no, I'm still in college and I don't want to be saddled with a bunch of debt. So I was trying to adult, you know, even before I really knew what I was doing. I was like, no, I don't want to be saddled with so much debt. So I worked two or three jobs every summer and I managed to pay for almost all of my school, even though I went to a private college. So I still had some debt and still more than some people because I did go to a private school, but I managed to pay for three years you know, just through working. I worked while I was in school. I worked over the summers and that's to me seemed like the smarter decision. But then I get out of college and I go actually to look at all these job experiences and they're like, well, you have no experience because you didn't take these unpaid internships. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, well, that seems unfair. And then they're like, well, you can go back to grad school. And I'm like, but that would just put me in more, more debt. debt. Right. And and I know that that's something you, it, it's not unique to the art world. You know, that's as in the theater, I think has a particularly bad, but that is not a unique situation. And I think that that is evidenced by the fact that more and more people, more and more young people are staying in college longer and longer for better and better degrees where it's just like, you know, oh, well you kind of have to just get settled with all these debt. And that's just what, that's just what you're supposed to do. Work hard to make money. And so I was faced with this choice. I'm like, okay, if I really want to make my own art, I'm, I'm in this, I'm work hard mode. I'm like, okay, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to make a lot of money. I'm going to work hard. And I actually, at the time was like, okay, it's not about money because I'm, I'm in here for the art. You know, I'm in here for my artistry and the things I want to do and change the world and my message. And so I'm like, okay, but I'm, I'm really stressed. And I don't like the idea of going back to grad school. I think that's ridiculous. I don't need that. And so I was going to fight against that system. And the option came up, well, I could self-produce. So then all of a sudden money came back into the picture where I'm like, oh shoot, I need money, not only just to live, but also to make art. I'm like, wait, I could skip the system if I had enough money. So I'm like, okay. 
So I know I don't want to travel because I, I had just gotten married. I should probably say that I had just gotten married and I was interested in, I, I was actually interested in settling down. I realized I was much more of a homebody and I really wanted to invest and build in my community. I wanted to make stories specific to my community and I wasn't interested necessarily on, you know, the big national tours, not that there's anything wrong with them. I still even go to watch them. They're amazing. They're fun, but that wasn't what was feeding me. So that's not what I wanted to focus on. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I'm super stressed. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I really want to do this. And to do that, I need money. So, well, okay. I'll give up on freelancing full-time and I'll go get a full-time job and just do it in the evenings, which is actually something a lot of artists end up doing where, you know, you get a full-time job and then you kind of have like a side hustle or you have two careers really. And this idea really was cemented for me as I was talking to people who were further along in their career because I'd come across a, two different articles actually. And then also just a lot of other people who were like, yeah, if you want to be a director, get a full-time job to pay for it, which again, just sort of cemented in my head. Like, why do, why do I have to go to grad school then and get $100,000 in debt when I would need a different job to pay for it anyway? If it's not going to pay off $100,000, that's not a good investment. So I had all these thoughts in my head and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a full-time job but because I had always been self-employed and because I was sort of a free spirit, me over here being the artist, I'm going to fight the system, even the own art system that I'm right. in. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I, a lot of jobs just weren't interesting to me. And this sort I realized it's because as I'm looking at these, I'm like, no, if I'm going to get a job, like I would need a lot of money, but I'm like looking at this. And the reason that this came about is I was working three jobs while I was freelancing and doing artistry stuff. I still had part-time jobs to support that because I was new in my career and you had to build this up. And it hit me right after I got married that my husband, who at the time had actually gone back to get his PhD. So he was already in grad school, which is another reason that I knew like, oh my gosh, this is so much of a commitment. And if this isn't going to pay off for me, I'm not putting myself through it. He, as a grad student, had managed to get enough of a fellowship and enough through his part-time job that he was still making more money than me. And I was working 80 hours a week. Oh, wow. Every week. And I wasn't, it wasn't even minimum wage here. I wasn't working minimum wage jobs. I'm a hard worker. I'm really smart. I had managed to work my way up into all these little side positions I had. And I'm just looking at this, like if I work for money, that's never going to work out for me. Like I could take a full-time job and be making slightly more, but then I still wouldn't actually have any time off because I would still want to be self-producing my art and I'd still need to be doing all the freelance stuff. And I'd actually have less time because the part-time jobs gave me a couple extra hours here and there in the day that I wouldn't have at a full nine to five to, you know, apply for different things and to go to auditions and et cetera, et cetera. And so all of these thoughts, I mean, you can just tell even me trying to describe it. It's not really linear because at the time it was so stressful and I was so twisted up and I had no idea what was going on. And I had all these crazy contradictory thoughts where it's like, well, work hard to make money. And it's like, well, okay, the, the way to stop feeling all this stress you're feeling is to stop being a freelance artist and go get a real job. And I'm looking at this and I'm like, that's that doesn't, option. yeah, that yeah. doesn't seem right. And it's not just the time issue. Although, although for me, that has been a big reason why I'm self-employed and why I help other small business owners to be self-employed, but I'm just looking at the finances of it. I'm just looking at the money and I'm like, this is, this is wrong. I'm missing something. This can't be right. And so all of this stuff where I was really stuck and this is where the self-identity came in, where I was an artist and that's what I still wanted to do. And I had been trained, work hard, go to, you know, go to college to get a good job, to get a good career. And that's how you're going to get ahead in life. And I'm looking at this light, that, that path, even if I completely cut out theater and I do go back to school and I'm looking at that path, I'm like, that 
that isn't going to work. I'm doing the math and the numbers don't add up. I'm going to be saddled with all this debt. And then I'm still going to have to work my way through all these unpaid internships and kind of what climb a corporate ladder to maybe someday if I'm, if I go and get the right career, six figures, that's not going to pay it off. And I'm just looking at this and like, what am I missing? Like, this is how everybody does it. So what am I missing? And it sort of hit me, but this is how everybody does it. And everybody I know is just as stressed out and is just as struggling. So what are we all missing? And to me, it was like, okay, if money is the solution or money is what we're missing in life, I'm going to start studying money. I'm going to start looking at money and learn about money and learn what money is because maybe there'll be something in there that's going to give me the answer. And so that was where my journey really started is that Instead, because a lot of people get to that point actually where they're really stressed out. And I, I know a lot of people, especially like millennials, we all go through this. And this is why I think it's really important to, to talk about trauma that isn't necessarily tied to one particular climatic event. It's just like the trauma of just like life when you're out of college and you're saddled with a bunch of debt, the things that that does to your mindset and your self-worth and like you're so risk averse and you're so fearful all the time. And then you're just putting things on credit cards and you're maybe hoping someday to get a promotion. I mean, that whole idea, all this like stress and excitement in my voice, I'm sure you can hear is how so many people live their lives every day. And I didn't realize at the time, but I was depressed. I was depressed, even though I was technically living my dreams because I was being an artist and I was doing all the things I wanted to do. And I was, I was doing everything I wanted to do. But it wasn't a lifestyle that was sustainable and it wasn't a lifestyle that was going to continue to support me. And so I finally kind of came to a little bit of this realization where I'm like, okay, I got to study money. And then (laughs) a whole slew of other emotional and personal things sort of just started attacking me as I did this. Because money is such an emotional topic. And it's something that, as we've as have already discussed, affects everything. It affects everything. And it affects so much about our self-identity because I, being an artist, obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but stereotypically was pretty like, mm, you know, I really hate businessmen and I really hate rich people right. and the system is against us. And I think that I very easily could still be in that idea because I had experienced the system failing me. I was looking at the system like, this is broken. This is wrong. Like, this is not going to, the numbers don't make sense. It's not going to pan out. And I know people who get to that point, but that's where they stay. And I think the difference is that I had asked, okay, so what, what element am I missing? Because there are people who do love their life and who are doing great things and who do say that they're fulfilled. So I'm like, so it's possible. So what do they have? And to me at the time, it was like, okay, I'm going to study money. And going through that, that's when it all sort of started to hit me where I you know, started studying money and started studying the process of making money, which got me on this kind of like, okay, I'm going to study economics kick, which got me into small business and entrepreneurship. And I'm like, that's where money is made. And I had to come against this idea that well, but I don't want to be a business person, right? You know, the billionaires who (laughs) build these empires are the bad guys. And that all of a sudden came up against the idea of who I was as a human and who, what my values were. And in studying that and in kind of getting in this realm, I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to spend time here so I can learn from these people. You know, I'm going to get, I'm going to start working behind the scenes in small businesses. And so I started as a bookkeeper and I started as an accountant and I saw how people made millions of dollars and I helped people make millions of dollars because 
I was good at it. I, I wanted to learn about it. And I, the more I learned about it, the more I digested, the more I realized, whoa, I'm actually doing everything these people are already doing. As an artist, all I wanted to do was help people with my ideas. And I wanted to create things. And I wanted to change people's lives. And I wanted to make their, I wanted to make the world in some small way better, you know? And for me, that was more beautiful. That was more entertaining. I wanted to help people laugh. I mean, that's what art and especially entertainment can really do for us. And entrepreneurs do the exact same thing. They have just studied a little bit more about the process of money and they learn how to help people faster. And as a result, people pay them. They, they want to get paid because that, that's the affirmation they're doing well. Now, the, the journey in between point A and point B, where now I'm all like, I love small business <laughs> and I love the opportunities that it builds. I mean, as a business leader, you, you know, you can employ people so you can be the boss that we never had. You know, you can make sure that people are taken care of. You can build products that help people. And the, the disconnect though, between those two ideas of what, dare I say it, what capitalism, and I don't want to go into the, all of that because I don't necessarily think that that necessarily has to be the way, but what business owners do is incredible. And well, the opportunities they create is incredible. And what rich people do is incredible because the more that you have, the more you can give. And in fact, the more that you give, the more that you get back and the more that you have. And that at the time when I was really struggling with money and I was really settled with debt and I was really like, well, I want to help people, but I, I wasn't giving. I wasn't giving of my time. I wasn't giving of my money. I, I mean, you, I've even said that where, oh, I don't want those jobs because my time is too important to me. Right. I need it. And so that mindset to get that flipped into this idea of no, I, money can be good and money can be a resource for good was such a weird journey. And I don't even know if I can explain how the middle road went because they're so 180 from each other. And it really just came about with let's study what money is and let's study what money does. And let's talk about that experience of, of what, how people make lots of money and then what they do with it and how they live their lives. And it's like, oh my gosh, I realized there are some of the most generous, incredible people I've ever met. It has nothing to do with their income. It just has to do with their mindset and their outlook. And yeah, a lot of those people do end up making lots of money because again, the more giving you are, the more you get back. So, I, I mean, I can just keep rambling and rambling and rambling. Yeah. So I don't know if there's, if there's questions or something so I can direct the conversation better, but. You know, I, um, I, I get what you're saying because, so there was a time, maybe what, right after I bought my condo, that I was so stressed out because I didn't know if I could make it work, right? Because I had taken on this whole, this big adult thing and buying a piece of property. But that fear of not having, being able to pay those bills and still maintain, and it wasn't even an extravagant lifestyle at that point, but maintain, you know, do the things I was doing before making that mm -hmm. investment were, um, it was scary to me. So I took, so I had a full-time job at that point. And I took on a part-time job to, to feel comfortable. And um, I remember being on a flight to Vegas for work and talking to this couple that I was sitting beside and, you know, they were asking, you know, what I do and whatever. And I think, and I mentioned the fact that, you know, I have this full-time job that was taking me to Vegas, but I also have a part-time job. And they both kind of shook their heads and looked at me and said, Sandra, you have to find a way to work smarter, not harder. Yeah. And when they said that, I was like, oh, you know, ha ha ha. Okay, sure. Thanks for that advice. What does that mean, though? You know, they, you know, I didn't know at that point what that meant. It sounded like a very nice concept. 
work smarter, not harder. But I didn't know if that was possible. And I think that part of that came from my own upbringing where, you know, money didn't come to you unless you busted your butt to make it happen. You know what I mean? That working hard was a badge of honor and that if you are making money without working hard, then you're actually cheating or doing something unethical to be able to be in that position. So it was a huge, huge mind shift for me to look at what I could do to work smarter and not harder, because I think that working harder was so ingrained in me for such a long time. Yes. Yes. And I, I'm sure everyone listening right now is probably like, but that's exactly what it is. Like, that's exactly how you work harder. You are cheating if you don't work harder. Yeah. (laughs) And so I want to dive into some of that um, because you're right. Like that is where so many people are. And I'm not saying I don't work hard. I mean, I run a business and I help other people run businesses. I still probably work 60 hours a week, but I also am crazy in love with what I do. So for me, this is how I get to be fulfilled. And I count like getting on a podcast and talking about what I do as part of my work. So I I probably am exaggerating some of my, my work time, but it's like, okay, I still work hard, but the idea is not to work hard to make money. The idea is to work hard to help people. And so that's kind of where it comes into like, okay, what is money then? Here's some of the insights that I've gained from, you know, hanging out with people who are really good at making money. And that money is really just a resource. And we can all acknowledge that. That's a, yeah. that's an easy, that's an easy mindset shift. Again, money's just a resource, but money isn't limited. There's not a set amount of money in the world. Money actually is created. I mean, it's literally printed every day. That's what inflation is. It's that we're printing more money. Yeah. We're making more of it. And now that, you know, that's a whole other economic thing we're not going to get into today about oh, what inflation means. But that's just the idea. It's like, oh, no, money is literally created. It's literally made. And that's what the, when the government makes money, it's called inflation. When businesses make money, it's called profits. And believe it or not, it's not that people just paid them money. And so that's how they get that money. And they're hoarding that money. They actually did create that money. They created wealth. Entrepreneurs, it's estimated they keep only 2% of the wealth they create. And I like to use the example of Elon Musk because he's very controversial. Because people are always like, well, Elon Musk, you know, I mean, he just kind of swoops in and like has this crazy idea and he's he's a billionaire and he's hoarding all this stuff in himself. (laughs) Um, But if you look at Elon Musk's ideas, he started with PayPal And PayPal is a great example of a problem that needed to be solved where people couldn't accept credit card payments and the businesses weren't growing as a result because everybody was moving to credit cards because they're so much more convenient. If you were only processing cash, and this is still something if I go overseas, still I always forget, oh, right, I have to carry cash with me because all the businesses here only work on cash. I mean, I don't even carry my cards anymore. I Venmo everything. Like I am so much less like, oh yeah, digital age, like let's go. That's because of people like Elon Musk who made it possible for anybody, a little Etsy store craft owner to collect credit card payments or direct bank deposit payments. However, the it was up to the customer how they wanted to pay you, which meant you could collect money from anyone at any time because they got to pick how they gave it to you. Right. Which that's an idea that he obviously turned into a really successful business, but how many other people have also now created a whole business around that? How many other e-commerce platforms can plug in with PayPal? How many other things that have now been like created and generated because of PayPal, because of this idea, money's moving faster and there's more money of it because not only is he building a business that's creating jobs, we already touched on that, but he's helping other people have good ideas to create jobs for themselves and everybody's making more money. And 
they're ma- you're making money as a result of making products and making good ideas. And so that's just a really basic example of like Elon Musk is a billionaire, but his ideas have probably generated countless billions of dollars. So yeah, he personally may not need a billion dollars, but if he's investing it in good ideas and in other things, it's like, I mean, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, Mr. Musk personally, I know nothing about him. He could be the biggest jerk in the world, but he has create, he has literally made money. And I mean, made as in he is making money and that's what profits are. So when the government prints money, it's inflation, but when a business prints money, it's profits and profits is really exciting because if you really want to make money and work smarter, not harder, it's not your labor that's going to give you money. It's your investments. It's growing your asset column. So yeah, buying a house is a good example of growing your asset column. But even that house is going to cost you money in mortgages, in property taxes, and lots of other stuff. So what actually is just going to, how can you spend your money in a way that only makes you money? And that's an investment. And that's how things, this is really exciting. And this is how money is actually made is if you invest your money, what you're actually doing is you're buying small portions of a business and you're getting their profits. So when that business has a good idea and it makes something amazing and people are paying them as a result, because you don't. Nobody buys something that doesn't help them. Even if it's like, okay, you know, people who go on a crazy shopping spree, but they needed that for maybe emotional support. Or it's like, you know, I really need to look pretty for this date. Or I just, you know, a pedicure might seem like an extravagance, but my feet hurt. And I like the way I feel after a pedicure. You know, I like my toes being shiny when I go like (laughs) stand on the sand. I mean, you don't pay for things you don't need and you only pay for things that are going to help you. So that's how I view money is it's just showing your appreciation for, Hey, you helped me. So when a business has a good idea and they get money, it's because they help somebody in some small way. And you know, a business could be good or bad. And there's, we could go so much into how to manage companies, but that's off topic for this. (laughs) If you were a business podcast, I would get up here and give my CEO ethical lecture, but, um, you're going to make money by helping people. And then that business makes profits because it helped people. And then you've invested in that business, own a small portion of it, you get those profits. So that's how the money is literally being made because it's one big chain of just paying in to help people. And that's why ultimately I love business and why I support small business is because the more that you, any, because anybody can invest, they're making it easier and easier to invest before you used to have, you know, a huge buy-in to buy a, you know, mutual fund or to pay a broker. But now with robo advisors or like the acorn app, you literally can put in $5 a month and start investing. And you're going to buy into businesses that are helping people that are making Making money and the wealth, the general wealth of the world is growing and it has to grow. People are all like, well, that seems like a silly idea. And I'm like, but there's 6 billion people on the planet, almost 7 billion people on the planet. There were not 7 billion people on the planet a hundred years ago. There weren't close to that number of people a hundred years ago. And then go back even further. There was maybe a couple hundred thousand people at one point. The only way we could support 7 billion people, even a little bit, I mean, I'm not saying everybody is supported equally, but even a little bit because there's more wealth and there's more resources and we have better ideas of how to care for each other and take care of each other. And again, the system's not perfect, but that's because people aren't perfect, where if the system's breaking down, it's because somebody is forgetting their most important job is to take care of people and to take, is to work smarter. And you do that by helping people. I mean, that's the business formula we just went through. That's how businesses are successful. So yeah, the system's not perfect. I I myself have suffered at the hands of the system, but (laughs) 
I mean, that's the thing is, is like, okay, but let's invest in the parts that are good and let's encourage the parts that are good and let's learn to make that work for you. Because right, I'm not here about changing the system. I'm talking to people on a personal level where don't be like I was where you're super stressed and you've got debt and you just don't know what to do. And you realize, you realize that you can never work hard enough to make it up. You actually can't. That feeling is right. So let's start learning a little bit about how money works and how we can kind of get out of that own cycle. And <laughs> again, I, I tell me which direction to go after this because I have so many things and so many thoughts, but this is, this is the idea that I want to leave with people where it's like, you know, the trauma of self-identity, I was in a bad place. I was, I was in a bad place. And I was really fortunate in that when I had the idea of, okay, what am I missing? But I also had people who, who were really close to me who pointed out, like, you need to take care of yourself because you're in a bad spot. You, if you continue down this path, you are going to have one of these situations that, you know, I alluded to earlier where it, it was some personal loss or it was some great traumatic accident. It's actually really interesting to me. I work with a lot of coaches and I work with, I mean, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs are always on some sort of great self-discovery journey, which is really cool and really exciting people to hang around. But so many of them started that journey because of something like a car accident that completely destroyed them physically, or because they completely went bankrupt and went through a divorce and were left destitute and with nothing. So yeah, so many people, and this is why your podcast matters. So many people go through this huge, awful, horrifying event and it's transformative and it turns them into something really cool. Yeah. Those that's are- the exciting thing about it, right? Is that yeah. you can get rocked to your foundation, but it doesn't need to, you don't need to just live in the rubble. You can, you know, build back and build something even stronger than what existed beforehand. Yes. And um, I think that's the, the beautiful thing about those episodes in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, then that's why I'm like, okay, conflict and trauma are not bad. They are transformative. They are, they are energy that creates something awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But for me, I'm really thankful that I had people who pointed out that I was heading in that direction, that I was heading for a climax, that I was heading for some sort of huge event because I wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't, I wasn't paying attention to the signs I was getting, you know, I could tell that the system wasn't working for me and the path that I was on was not going to be successful. And I was really fortunate to have people who pointed out like, girl, you're depressed, girl, you need to address this. Like, let's like, stop, take a moment, like stop. What's the question you need to ask? And that's when I hit the, okay, I'm missing something. I need to figure this out. So I kind of pivoted and avoided whatever the big climatic event was. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it was coming. I'm sure it was coming. You know, my journey parallels what a lot of other people were going through. And I, I just hope that in talking through these things, a lot of, a lot of people will listen to somebody who, you know, well, you had it easy because, you know, you didn't have to recover from X, Y, and Z. And I'm not saying that's not wrong, but if you wait for that big moment and you just hope you're lucky enough to come out of it intact enough to really build yourself up and be the incredible person that you can be like, please, please walk. Why? Like, please don't do that. You can avoid it now. If you're already feeling like you're stuck, don't just keep sitting there and ignoring it. Like, let's try and pivot sooner and push away. And obviously I'm really biased. And I think a lot of that has to do with like our money and the emotions tied up with money and finances. But that for me was also just my inroad. For some people, it's their physical health. And for other people, it's the emo- like their relationship, you know? Um, 
you know, I, I know a woman who's a, a therapy, a therapist for couples and specifically for couples who've had an affair of some sort. And she's, she always just says that, Oh, are you pro affair? She always says, yes, I'm, I'm for and against affairs because again, it's that transformative <laughs> event. And I just hope that, you know, you can find your inroad and in that listening to me and my journey and how I'm like, okay, like let's, let's hack money and let's, let's make it work for you. And let's try to avoid some of that trauma. And it's like, I hope this doesn't sound like a cop out because people will listen to it and they are going to hate what I say. And I don't try to tone it down because again, if you grade up against something, that's when you, that's when you're changing. That's when you've got, you're pushed up against something and you got to change. That's the energy moment. You know, you need that friction. So I'm not toning down the fact like, yeah, like rich people and investments and all these things. It's like, but with a little bit of education, you can flip your head about these things. And that was the trauma I had to go through. And it was hard. Don't get me wrong. Like I fought it for so long. I actually fought it even when I was already working in it. I was like, I, I felt like I was a secret agent, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be here behind all these businesses and I'm going to figure out what they do. And I'm just going to like steal their good ideas, but I'm not going to be like them. Like I'm not going to be like a business hey. person because they're evil. And after like sitting there and hanging out and realizing the problem is me. The problem is how I'm viewing this. I'm getting all the right answers and I can steal all these ideas, but it's not going to work unless I change me. Yeah. So. And change shift that perspective that it's not an us versus them type yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, money is my inroad and it's the way that I see things. And it's the trauma that I see a lot of people going through is just personal finances. But Maybe that's why I, I like it so much is that no, literally everybody has some sort of trauma with their personal finances. So that's the, that's the self-identity. That's the trauma of self-identity I like to help with and I like to talk about. And I hope that in listening, people are going to be inspired to learn a little bit more so that maybe they do avoid some sort of climatic trauma. We, we can take little traumas and turn them into big wins hopefully. Right. <laughs> yeah. So Catherine, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned in your journey? Um, I would say the biggest lesson that I've learned is what money is. And I mean that literally money isn't, you know, the bank notes that we have these dollar bills and money isn't, you know, like something that people hoard. It's not limited money really is an energy. It's, it's called a, it's currency, right? It's literally in its name. It's a current. It's like an electrical current or a flow of water, which is also a type of current. It is a kinetic energy that is yeah. moving and that is creating and that is helping people. And that's why money can be painful because when it gets blocked up, that hurts, right? If you're building dams instead of building canals, that is why your money hurts. If you're stopping up your money and you're not letting it flow, you're stopping the energy and it's not helping you. You should be building canals where you're putting the money and directing it directly to where it's going to water the best things and it's going to grow the most. And that's also tied up in the idea of that I've already talked about where giving money is a sign of appreciation. So that frees up a lot of guilt around having lots of money. People do feel guilty when they start to get rich. Almost everybody does. It's like, well, shouldn't I feel like I have enough? Like, shouldn't this be enough? And it's like, no, it's okay to want to grow your wealth because the more you grow your wealth, the more people you can take care of. You know, you can help pay for aging parents. You can pay for your kids' school. You can pay for your nieces and nephews. If you're, you know, your siblings weren't, you know, falling along on the money train as well. You can build all these trusts and estates or start charities or start foundations or start businesses, which just build more wealth for everybody. So that idea of like what money is and that money itself actually doesn't really have any power because it's just a current of energy and it's just how we give and take from each other. 
is really, really, really freeing. And understanding money as a flow is also going to help you understand how to hack it to make it work for you. That's why I talked about the investment flow of it, of, you know, it's, it's a business and it pays out to its employees, but it's also paying to its investors who paid to it first. And that whole flow of money just makes more money because money is just energy. That's the reason that it's limitless and why we can always make more of it. So yeah. that's my biggest win. I think that um, for me, one of the things that I realized is that, and I think you touched on it, is that a lot of people think that, you know, wealthy people, you know, are bad people, right? And so there's that, this worry that if I become financially prosperous and abundant, that it will turn me into one of these shady, corrupt people. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm a Wayne Dyer wisdom junkie. And I love that Wayne Dyer talks about the fact that money is a magnifier. So it's just going to magnify who you really are at your essence. And he's like, so if money makes you do unethical things, it's because you are already an unethical person, right? So if you want to, you have to work on yourself, right? Which is what you're, the whole thing about the self-awareness and really getting clear on who you are and what you want to do and be, that's where that, it's, it's all connected, right? Because if you want to do good things, then you have to really work on your own mindset, work on your own, work on yourself, really. And then when you, when you attract that money, because you have a better relationship with money, and you're not looking at it as the root of all evil, evil or, or as something that's going to corrupt you and make you one of these corporate type people that, you know, only care about themselves, and they don't care about the environment or the community or anything like that. Once you shift that, then, then I think that everything starts to flow easier, including your money. Absolutely. And I would use my personal story as a really good example of that, just to wrap it all up with what we talked about, where I was stuck without, I was super ungenerous. I was greedy with my time and I was greedy with my money and I had none of it because I was working 80 hours a week and I was poor and I was, you know, worried about all this debt. And I didn't like that person and I didn't want to be that person. And Mm. that's the worst me I've ever been. And getting wealthy helped relieve some of that pressure and it helped me be generous. And now I'm super giving of my time and I'm, I try to be as generous as possible. And my main goal when I started this whole journey was to make more art. I'm still doing that. I'm no longer working as an artist, but I'm helping produce art. I'm helping other artists get paid really well so that they can continue to do what I did and just live their best life and make more art. And I am a patron of arts. I go to more art things. I, I, so that's also how I'm helping artists get paid is I'm actually, you know, being one of their customers. So my values and everything I really wanted in life is I am living that out because I have better handle on my money. And I've gotten a better idea of what wealth really means. So you are exactly right. And that money is a magnifier. And, you know, to give the story a happy ending, like I was in a place where I just wanted, I just wanted to make more art and I just wanted to be a nice person. And the only way that I made that happen is by getting wealthy first. So. Catherine, what advice would you give to somebody who's struggling with their own money consciousness right now? Yeah. Start with your values. We've already touched on this, but you really do get really clear on the values that are really important to you and then dig in and do some research. You know, I I also describe money as a language because there's all these weird jargony terms about money. I mean, we've already talked about some investments and profits and, you know, like interest and inflation. We've touched on some of these things. These are money terms and 
that's how money is its own language. It's going to talk to you. It's going to communicate with you. And so invest a little bit in your own financial education. So that way, if you've got really clear values, it's going to be clear what type of money you want to research. For me, that was business. That's why I'm so into small business and why I understand that flow of money really well and why I help entrepreneurs because that supported my ultimate values of why I want more people to get wealthy and I want to help artists who are all self-employed business owners who just don't know that. So we're helping teach them. (laughs) So that is how you've got to start your money journey is start with your values and get really clear on your values. You touched on the environment, for example. There is a ton of a ton of stuff that's investment portfolios, different companies that are different nonprofits that you can give to and help grow your own wealth so that you can help these businesses and these ideas get better. And all of you are going to get wealthier and you're going to help the environment. So that's, you've really got to start with what your values are and then align your spending to go along with that. And I think that that's the most valuable advice I can give because most people, especially if you're struggling with just debt pay down or paying too much on credit cards. I mean, those are really hard habits to break. I'm, I'm not going to downplay the struggle, the daily struggle of managing money. But if you've got really clear on your why you want to get out of this and what your values are and what you're working towards, it's going to make it easier because most people, they don't really value you know, all of the crazy spending they're doing, or maybe they do really value their nice clothes. I used that as an example earlier, but they realize that they don't value it to the amount they're actually spending on it. So I still value my nice clothes, but I'm going to cut back because I value these other things as well. So that's how you can curb your spending. So once you identify your values, that's when you got to look at your bookkeeping and you got to look at what you're actually spending money on. And that's going to hurt. That's going to be traumatic. But if you're really clear on your values, that's going to help you focus that lens where you're like, wow, my spending seems out of control. But then you're like, whoa, 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 okay, this is what I value. I can curb my spending in certain ways that's going to support what I actually want out of life. And it's going to actually, like you said, work smarter, not harder, where it's like, you know, the... So yeah, that I, I'm going to keep going down the rabbit hole, but those are where you start. <laughs> start with your values look at your spending and then just figure out how you can curb that to actually align and pay for your values. Cause if you're paying for your values, it's going to pay back to you. That is how you get rich. And that's how you build wealth because rich is not a number, a certain number of zeros. It really is just, are you, are you growing your own personal wealth? And part of that is your own spiritual wealth and your own happiness. If you don't have those things, I don't think you're wealthy. So. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I think, like I said, it's, it's all connected and, um, you can't treat them as isolated components of your life. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Catherine, thank you so much for sharing your journey and for the advice that you've given. Um, yeah. It's amazing how, you know, as you said, the rabbit hole, but you know, <laughs> you, you started this whole journey to learn about money and look where it's taken you. And I think that that's, um, that's really what it's all about is that this is, this life is a journey, right? And we don't often know where we're going to to head, you know? Like we yeah. might have an idea of where we're headed and then we, yeah, we get thrown in a completely different direction, but it's, it's okay because the direction that we've been led on is, is where we're meant to be. And the experiences that we're encountering because of that diversion are very fulfilling. They're enriching our lives and allowing us to be of service and help others in a more meaningful way. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Catherine, for your time. And like I said, and your knowledge and your wisdom. And if you want to learn more about Catherine and what she does, you can check out the show notes and um, 
find out where to connect with her and where to, um, yeah, to learn more about her business. And I think you've got social media links as well. So all of that will be in the show notes for you to check out if you're in your car or at the gym listening right now. So again, Catherine, thank you so much for your time. And to everyone listening, thank you so much for taking time out to listen. Have an awesome day, an awesome week, and I will see you next week.